We are trying to get to 20,000 subscribers on Unfound's YouTube channel before the end of 2023. Have you signed up yet? Paige Marie Renkowski was a 30-year-old from Okemos, Michigan. She was a substitute teacher and engaged to be married. On May 24, 1990, Paige dropped off her mother at the Detroit airport and was heading to her fiancé's softball game. She didn't show up. The car Paige was driving was found idling and in good condition on a highway near Fowlerville. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. There is a term I have for disappearances that do not fit into any specific category. The reason they don't could be for a variety of reasons. Unique person, unique circumstances, or a combination of both. The label I use for these cases is a lig of their own. Some examples from Unfound's own catalog. Dale Kerstetter. Really, how many security guards have gone missing on the job, no matter if a theft took place or not? Flight 370. In this age of digital tracking, who would have thunk that a commercial airliner could go missing for this long? Jason Jolkowski. Young, sober, mentally stable men just don't go missing in their own neighborhoods while walking to catch rides to work in broad daylight. And Angie Yarnell, how is it even possible that her husband got away with his story, he went to jail for four years, yet Angie is still missing? To be clear though, those are extreme examples. Sometimes it only takes one subtle nuance to put a disappearance in this very rare category. Well, with the disappearance of Paige Renkowski, this is what we have with some just very slight differences that I will discuss in my summation, her case would be very common. Instead, it's one of a kind. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Linus's website, charlieproject.org. There was nothing anyone could have ever said truthfully bad about Paige Renkowski. She had no vices, no addictions. Paige was close to her family, even driving her mother to the airport on the day of Paige's disappearance. Paige loved kids, so she was a babysitter. In addition, she loved children so much, she was a substitute teacher, and we know how difficult that job can be. Paige had a man in her life, and they were engaged although a firm date for a wedding had not yet been set. The only bad thing anyone could have said remotely bad about Paige is that she might have been a bit too trusting. So, on May 24, 1990, using her mother's car, Paige drove her mother to the Detroit airport. From there, Paige met a friend at a park in Canton Township. Paige was her regular self. 
After a couple of hours, Paige had to leave because she was attending her fiancé's softball game that evening. However, she never arrived. Once an APB was put out for Paige, her mother's car was found on I-96 just outside Fowlerville. It was idling with no signs of damage or disrepair. Everything that Paige had with her that day was still in her car. Even her shoes. She was never seen again. Once word got out about Paige, several people called police, saying that they had seen Paige at the location where the car was found, talking to at least one man who drove a maroon SUV or van-like vehicle. This man has never been identified. Although violent crime has come down in the United States since Paige's disappearance, the roads of this country are still very dangerous, with road rage, stalkers, drive-bys, and many other incidents where people are injured if not killed. Please ponder this as you also try to answer these three questions during the interview. Number one. What would cause you to pull over to the side of a highway even though your vehicle is in perfect working condition? Number two, why did over 40 witnesses see Paige talking to this man, but not one saw her get into the van by choice or by force? And number three, despite his alibi, could Paige's fiancé still be the main instigator of her disappearance? Paige's family has no doubt foul play is the cause of her disappearance. The guests for this episode are Paige's sister, Michelle Hollis, and Paige's niece, Nikki Hollis. Unfound News. This coming Monday, July 17th, 2023, and from now on, the Unfound Live Show will be available on YouTube... Unfound's discussion group on Facebook, Unfound's Facebook page, and Twitter. I hope you will all join in. Next, another Unfound disappearance has been resolved. Jordan Carvalho, who went missing from Golden Valley, Arizona, on September 1st, 2019, was found deceased in Golden Valley in September 2022. His remains were finally identified through DNA this past week. No cause of death has been made public. Finally, I will be in Pennsylvania seeing my dad from July 19th to August 2nd. I will also be playing in a disc golf tournament there on July 29th. I do not expect any changes to Unfound's schedule for the podcast, the live show, or any other Unfound productions. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound, the sister of Paige Renkowski, Michelle Renkowski Hollis, and Nikki Hollis, Paige's niece. Nikki and Michelle, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Thanks for having us. As we uh, just about always do when we have family members on Unfound to do interviews, we always start with that family, getting to know a little of the culture of the family, uh, anything that the, the guest or guests might think the audience needs to know about the family. So we'll start with you, Michelle. What can you say, of course, being Paige's uh, sister, what would you say uh, some qualities about the Rankowski family? What can you say? 
Well, growing up, uh, I had, you know, there were four of us daughters, um, of course, and we did a lot of regular family things. We were super close with friends and neighbors in the neighborhood and with our cousins and that type of thing. And um, just kind of a regular 70s family, you know, nothing wildly different um, on any of our ends. I think we're pretty, we're pretty uh, normal family. Okay. Four daughters, huh? No, no yes. sons. Nope, just the boyfriends. Wow, <laughs> just all right, just the boyfriends. Okay, and maybe we should clarify. Uh, Paige is your older or a younger sister? She is my second oldest sister. Um, I am number four, and she was number two. Oh, okay. So she was. Okay, and how there. many years difference between the two of you? Uh six years. All right, not far mm -hmm. away, but not close either. So. You know, for example, she would have been a senior in high school and you were like sixth or seventh grade, something like that. Correct. Yep. Yep. Okay. So we didn't really grow up at those times. You know, she was doing different things than I was climbing trees and, you know, she was doing high school things. So, right, right. Would you say that your four sisters, including Paige, um, all very similar, uh, all outgoing, different personalities? What would you say? Oh, I would say different personalities altogether. Very, oh. Each one of us had our own spot. Mm -hmm. okay. Definitely. All right. Very good. Uh, Nikki, I'll move to you. What would you, of course, this would be your, uh, I guess, your mother's side of the family. Of course, Michelle is your mother. Um, what, what would you say, maybe growing up, what, what are some things maybe you'd like to say about the Rinkowski side of your family? Um, let's see. We've all kind of been scattered across the state of Michigan. So, you know, usually getting together for holidays, birthdays, things like that. Um, but we usually just kind of went to whoever's house and spent the holiday, usually my grandma's house, my mom's mom. Um, we spent a lot of time there and just kind of hung out and did random regular things. <laughs> okay. All right. And Nikki, uh, we can have a good, good conversation being that we have a mother and daughter here. Do you remember the first time in your life when you discovered that you had an aunt that was missing? I don't remember the first time because I know my mom had kind of explained when I was pretty young that, you know, she was um, she was lost. Um, I don't remember that conversation much. Uh, what sticks out to me is more of that like middle school early high school um, when I could really understand what was going on and try to, you know, get involved and do all my research and things like that. Okay. And we're certainly going to get into how you got involved a little later in this interview. Uh, I think that'll be very interesting for everybody. Moving back to Michelle, um, is that a conscious thing? You know, you have a daughter, you know, you're going to have you have probably, I don't know if you have other kids or not. Yes. I have two daughters. Okay. <laughs> but is that something you consciously tell yourself? having a sister's missing, you know, one of these days, I'm going to have to explain this to my kids. Do you, did you have like, well, when they get to 10 years old or eight years old, is that something that goes, goes through your mind or did it just kind of happen organically? It just really happened uh, spur of the moment kind of thing as they, as both of my daughters got a little bit older um, cause Nikki has an older sister, two years older than she is. And uh, you know, I would just kind of um, keep it age appropriate. You know, Auntie Paige was lost, you know, but then things would happen with that within our family. Sometimes, you know, there'd be some new investigation or some new tip that would hear of. And, you know, I never involved them in that till they were older and they could understand what 
what was going on and what what really had happened you know because there's not a whole lot to our story you know compared right. to other missing person stories um uh but yeah little by little as they got older and it just seemed to be the right time i would give them more information now of course i don't have anybody missing in my family and i don't have any kids either so i can't put myself mm -hmm. in either of your position uh positions there michelle regarding that but maybe going back to nikki did you kind of know that you had an aunt that was missing even before maybe or you know your the, your older family members told you or was it like kind of out of the blue that you heard that um i think there was it was just more like question marks of like kind of knowing something was off or different but not having you know a full understanding and you know kind of how my mom mentioned that she didn't really talk to us about it too much you know i don't remember like overhearing a lot so it was really until you know we were old enough to hear about it that we really had you know those bigger conversations okay thank you let's move on now to talking about Paige. um michelle what are some of the things that you know when you think about Paige today other than her of course her disappearance which of course is the forefront things about her personality what can you tell her uh the, the listeners about that uh about Paige? Paige was very uh bubbly she was very outgoing Everybody loved Paige and loved to be around her. When my friends would come over, you know, growing up, they would love it when she would hang out with us, like a big sister, you know, for them as well. She um, she had a very quirky sense of humor, very humor, like it's hard to even explain, but just doing um, silly, silly things, uh, making a funny sound, a funny face, um, that kind of thing she would do. Uh, so she had a really good sense of humor. Um, even sometimes maybe when it wasn't all so appropriate, you know, she would just do something goofy. And, uh, so yeah, bubbly, outgoing, um, love to be around lots of people. What were some of her interests? Was she into sports and music? What, what was she I would say mu music. Um, she was in, uh, some, um, in high school, she was in a couple, uh, choral groups and, uh, rock group that the high school had at the time. And so she loved music. Um, she loved to do uh, and be involved with um, um, uh, different types of modeling for some of the local stores and that type of thing. She was okay. really like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what about, of course, you have two other sisters. What kind of relationship did she have with your two other sisters uh very close or what i would say pretty close because they were all pretty close in age as well they were you know three years apart basically almost a little bit more but um yeah so i was you know five years behind them so they were all pretty close in high school at the same time but all very different they all had their very different personalities um so uh but yes close you know okay. Mm -hmm. And Nikki, going to you, uh, you've, of course, been working on this, and we want to get into that a little later. Maybe some things maybe you learned uh, about uh, Paige, you know, during your work. Is there maybe a funny story that you've come across and learning about her and, you know, uh, putting her name out there as being a missing person? Anything that comes to mind when you think of Paige that you've learned? Um, not really. Not a lot of stories, but just kind of soaking up all of these, you know, fun things about her personality. And, you know, I think that kind of runs in my family, all of our weird little quirks and, and just uh -huh. being goofy together. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. 
Um, let's move on to this Re regarding school and how did she do in school? I'm uh, going back to Michelle. Um, you know, have boyfriends in high school? Did she go to college? What can you say about all of that? Oh, there were always boyfriends between all of my sisters. Um, but I didn't really like that because I was younger and I was out playing in the yard with my friends and, and uh, you know, not uh, really involved with them in high school. But um, she definitely um, had lots of boyfriends as my other sisters kind of, you know, all at the same time. There's always a boy coming over for dinner or hanging out at the house or, you know, standing in the garage when I wouldn't let them in because we didn't have, we had a rule that boys couldn't be in the house if my parents weren't around. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was kind of the watchdog for a little while. <laughs> uh, okay. So did, uh, uh, did Paige and the other sisters ever try to bribe you? Oh, I'm sure they did. I don't recall specifically, but I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. Okay. All right. Um, what about, uh, she graduated from high school, right? Yep. She graduated from high school. We all went to the same high school. Um, okay. uh, and then she went to Lansing Community College um, off and on, didn't really go till a little later. She didn't, I don't think she started right out of high school. It was, it was a little later. And um so, yeah, no, as you know, I wasn't up on her grades. I didn't even really mm -hmm. live in the same state for several years when she disappeared. So I had been uh, not okay. living in Michigan. I'd been in Georgia. So in Atlanta. Uh, okay. All right. And what um, was she working then after she got out of high school and there was like a period between? Oh, what kind yeah. of jobs did she have? I, I've read that she was uh, like a babysitter. And yeah, she preschool. She worked in a, a preschool. Yeah, okay. Yep, substitute preschool. Um, and then she also worked at Mr. Steak, which was a local steakhouse um, here in town. So uh, between the two of those, those kept her quite busy. Okay. And um, where was she living uh, at the time, like in her 20s? We're going to eventually talk about how she was engaged and everything. But in her 20s, mm -hmm. like when she was going to community college, was she still living at home? Did she get her own place? Oh, place? gosh. See, Man, I wasn't paying attention then. I wasn't paying attention then. She was back and forth. She, um, I know she lived here um, at the house that I am currently living in, uh, my mom's house. And, uh, yeah, she lived here for quite a long time. And, okay. um, you know, had moved out a few, I think maybe just once or twice um, as she was in her mid-20s, you know. Mm -hmm. Didn't like just living at, at home, you know, so. Okay. Um, let's, all right. So what would you say, once again, I realize you're not following her 24-7, <laughs> but give maybe the audience a little sense of um, Paige in her 20s. Just uh, living at home, going to work, things like that. Living at home, going to work again, I was a, you know, mid teenager. So yeah. I wasn't you know, later teen. And then I moved away. I moved away when I was 19. Okay. Um, so okay. yeah, so I really, there's a, there's a big chunk of time that I wasn't mm -hmm. living with her directly and would talk on the phone and that kind of thing. And should write a letter, you know, when people used to write letters or send a card kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yes. But yeah, so she was here back and forth with my mom. She uh, lived, I know she had an apartment for a while. Um, I don't really know when that was. Um, I would say her mid twenties, her own place kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. How often would you say in her twenties? Of course, we know that she was a little older than that when she went missing. But how mm. often would you talk to her? How often would you see her? I mean, if you're living in another state, maybe not seeing her that often. How often would you talk to her? Right. Oh gosh. Yeah, I would say every few weeks, a couple, two, three times a month. 
you know, would talk and, you know, what's going on and, you know, how are the jobs and that kind of thing. And um, so, and then there'd be little maybe lapses of time that we wouldn't talk as much. And that was before cell phones. So you had to make that, you know, and wait till you could talk, you know, call long distance after seven or whatever it was. And, you know, uh, so yeah, I would say two or three times a month. All right. Well, uh, once again, I realize you were not following your sisters around. Would you say that your other two sisters' experiences very similar to yours as far as talking to her or seeing her? Very similar? I think so. My older sister had moved away again. Tammy, she was out of state by then um, for her job. And but I when I lived in Atlanta, um, uh, I lived my sister Cheryl was down there as well. So uh, the two of us were out of state for several years, um, especially when she disappeared, uh, but even prior to that. But yes, they would talk to her just, you know, just as often okay. checking in. We all so checked in very, with each other. All right. So you're close. All four of you pretty close and yeah. not no estrangements. You know, sometimes, you know, sisters, brothers, <laughs> you know, they get estranged for whatever reasons. But you yeah. four kept in touch. And what about your parents? A similar situation, uh, keeping in touch with everybody? Yeah, I think so. I would say just a regular, you know, regular conversations, checking in, um, that kind of thing. You know, again, that was before cell phones. So if you weren't right by the phone, you know, you'd miss the call and um, have to, you know, check back in. And especially with our parents, they would want to they check in pretty frequently. Right. Yeah. Okay. And once again, you at the time of her disappearance, you were not in, in Michigan. No, no. I had lived in Georgia. I was in Atlanta. And so was my next up sister, um, the third da daughter, Cheryl. She okay. is still in Atlanta. And uh, okay. so, yeah, so, um, yep, I'd been there, I think, 90, I'd been there three years, I think. Okay. All three right, years. very good. Let's move on to this. Now, she did have a relationship at the time, uh, a, a guy who's been called a fiancé. You can certainly clarify that if that's not true, if it's true. Um, what can you say about this guy? Do you know how the two met? Had you ever, did you ever meet him before the disappearance or, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I've seen this picture back from 1990, you sitting on right. the couch, the couch sitting picture, right there. Yeah. So you two eventually did meet, mm -hmm. but before, did you meet him before she went missing? What can you say about that? Yeah. A few months before Paige went missing, um, she and Steve came down to Atlanta, uh, cause our, our first nephew was born. So, um, they came down for that, you know, shortly after he was born and, uh, and, um, you know, so that was the first time I think I ever met him because I'd been gone, you know, I wasn't around. And um, so, yeah, I was just I don't like remember anything vividly good, bad. Otherwise, it was just, oh, OK, this is the new boyfriend. We're thinking about getting engaged, you know, all that kind of thing. And I think they mm -hmm. already were. But it was it was kind of talk. It wasn't it wasn't official yet. Okay. So any memory on how they met? No, when uh, you had mentioned that before, and I thought I don't know how they met. Okay. Um, they may have met at a softball game of oh. all places, but maybe I, I don't know if that's true. Okay. Um, uh, and um, did you got leading up to her disappearance? And I'm not trying to lead yeah. you or anything. Um, were you getting any um, like through the grapevine anything that was going on in their relationship or or anything like that? For ex this is just an example. Yeah. One okay. of your other sisters talking to you on the phone. Well, you know what? I don't know if Paige and her guy are getting along. I know they're engaged, but they're not getting along that well. Anything like that before the disappearance happened that you can remember? 
Well, from what I know, like a lot of couples that are kind of, they're trying to figure out, are we going to get married? Are we not? That kind of thing. You know, she did go back and forth a few times between uh, living at my mom's house and living with Steve because she did move in with him at one point. I don't know when that was. Um, So there were times where she'd spend a few days back at my mom's and they weren't getting along great or couldn't agree upon things or I don't really even know what, you know what the conversation was um but yeah there were those times back and forth but not like a big breakup or you know we're done or any of that okay very it was just like we need a few days apart kind of thing okay so all right just some general questions there in the outline then i want to talk to you a little bit nikki before we actually get into the circumstances of that day uh anyone the way you remember it Michelle, anyone worried about Paige at all in 1990? Any decisions that she was making, anything that she was saying, any people that she was running into? Did you ever say, for example, you know, I think somebody's stalking me. Anybody worried about Paige at all? I would say no. Um, Not that I knew about. I think my mom would have mentioned something to me. Um, My mom and I spoke frequently. And um, I think she would have mentioned something about that if if that was ever brought up. You know, nothing like there was, you know, for once again, this is just an example. Mm -hmm. She's engaged, but maybe there's like an ex-boyfriend or something who, you know, there are a lot of exes, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Kind of popping in, you know, she's somewhere and, you know, some ex-boyfriend just happens to be in the same store or something, you know, Mm -hmm. really stalking, but acting like, you know, it just happened to be, it's coincidental, but it's not anything like that that comes to mind at all. Yeah, not that specifically at all. Um, You know, I didn't know her group of friends. I didn't really know. Uh, I'd been gone a few years, so th- that can change in the 20s pretty significantly. So right. I don't really know anything that would have happened like that or that she would have been concerned of. Okay. And I just have to ask, this is always a question mm-hmm. in the interview, any addictions, any vices, anything like that that Paige had? No, not at the time at all. I mean, she went out with her friends, you know, um, and, but nothing my mom was ever concerned about, or there was any family issue. Um, okay. A lot of people ask that. And so, okay. yeah. I, don't have much to say about that, you know. Okay, so things in 1990 were just a, a, another year for Paige and your family. Yeah. Nothing unusual that, and even since then, that's ever come up. No. Okay, Nikki, yeah. I'm now going to bring uh, back to you. You know, of course, you're very young. Um, you know, I'm 52, so I was 20 years old in in 1990 so i remember it you know that year very well i just finished my freshman year in in college how is this as a, a very young person you know you look back at nine, 1990 does that seem like it's, it's like so far away you know and how do you you know put wrap your mind around that of course in an area era before internet and cell phones all these things that today certainly can help you know, us find missing people. You know, how does 1990 strike you as a person who was not alive at that time? Um, the 90s in general doesn't seem too far away because I was still born in that era. Okay. Um, okay. A uh, few years later. Okay. So you know, but my time um, existing in that time frame. I don't have a lot of memories, um, yeah. you know, so when I did start to have memories later on in my childhood, 
you know, it was all of the technology developing, you know, since I was born. Um, so yes, I remember like the dial up computer and things like that. Okay. Phone. Um, yes, but for the most part, you know, technology has just continued advancing and hasn't been too chaotically different. Um, I guess what, what I'm all, yeah, I guess what I'm also asking when you decided to get involved and, and everything was it like man it feels like I'm going back to like the early 1900s when when we start talking about <laughs> no internet and you know we have to go to newspapers.com to find articles or you know yeah, going, I it, mean, you know how did it feel it just kind of sucks like it's <laughs> like a, you, know, you kind of wish <laughs> that it happened you know in modern day time because I think that has caused a lot of barriers to being yes. able mm -hmm. to solve it at all. Right. Um, so I know, you know, MSU has a program where they have students going back and uploading, you know, paper files and documents right. to a database that have, you know, been helping a lot of cold cases and things like that. But right. that stuff takes time. And, you know, the police and all of those other agencies just don't have time to go backlog when they have all of these other active cases right very good yeah uh you, you make a good point that we might look at, i'm not saying it would necessarily be solved we can never guarantee that but certainly if this was a disappearance that happened let's just pick a year 2010 uh with the facebook mm -hmm. uh, you know and cell phones and everything else we certainly would know a lot more about her disappearance i'm not saying i would never guarantee anybody that anything would be solved but it would certainly have a lot more information and we might have a better insight uh, into actually what happened. So Nikki, thank you for bringing that yeah. up. It's certainly true. Technology changes everything. You're totally right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Let's move on, uh, to that day. Back to you, Michelle. Um, what is your understanding of Paige's plan for that day? What was she, you know, to get up and then by the end of the day, what was she supposed to be doing that day? Well, um, Paige, took my mom, she drove her from Okemos, where the home is, to Detroit, uh, to the airport, because my mom was coming to Atlanta to see me and my sister and then new, well, her new grandson, okay. newer grandson. Yeah. So she was coming uh, down to Atlanta for the weekend, um, or maybe a little longer, I don't recall, and, um, you know, to see family. And so Paige drove my mom in my mom's company car Paige had a sports car that was too small couldn't put the luggage in so my mom said well take we'll just take my company car mm -hmm. so she drove uh my mom to the detroit airport dropped her off and then she went uh Paige drove to canton michigan which is outside detroit and went to a park uh, to visit a friend and i think her young children as well they had a picnic hung out for a while okay then she left the park and went, uh, looks like apparently had stopped at uh, um, like a gas station party store, um, whether she got gas, who knows, um, probably so. And then um, she also got a beer, purchased a beer at that location, nice. one single beer, hmm. and went, got back on the road to head to her fiance's ball game. Um, she was due at the ball game late afternoon at some point. I don't know what time, um, but never made it. She made it three quarters of the way home. 
you know. It, was the softball game going to be taking place back at Okemos, in, or at least in the general area? In the general area. I couldn't tell you where, but all general right, so, area. Yeah. All right. So it was a big, huge round trip. Trip, And I am doing a, a map analysis video that will be on YouTube that everybody can see where I will go through mm -hmm. these locations. But so it's a, certainly a big round trip. I, I saw that from Okemos to the Detroit airport, somewhere 90, around 90 miles. Yeah, it's like an hour and but, a half. So it's like a three hour round trip. But we have to remember she actually stopped to see this friend mm -hmm. of hers for at least a little while. Mm hmm. Okay. And yep. was it ever determined where she stopped for that beer uh, that day? Did that was the convenience store like near the park or do you know? Well, you know, I don't exactly know personally, but it was um because at the time I believe I believe they interviewed the um gal, the woman that worked there. Mm -hmm. The place is not in existence anymore. It's okay. something else now. So okay. um but if I recall properly, I think that they did interview you know, the person that was there. Cause mm -hmm. she even said, Hey, I love your outfit or her necklace or something Paige was wearing. Um, and remembered that vividly. And. Okay. okay. Yeah. And, and the reason they know that she stopped for that beer, cause the beer was in the car when they Correct. found the car. Right. All right. We'll get, mm -hmm. uh, get to that. And do you know if this convenience store, do you remember, was it like close to the park or, or I don't do know. Remember? Don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Totally fine. Yeah. Um, that friend, uh, have you ever had a chance to talk? Did you have a chance to talk to that friend that day, uh, from that day? What was the conversation? No, I, I did not. I didn't know her. I mean, it was one of Paige's, my big sister's friends from high school that I never really knew well okay. at all. Um, but always in the mix with the girlfriends, you know, kind of thing. Um, okay. but again, she was so much older than i was so you know right right i didn't get to yeah, si yeah yeah six years uh you when know, you're that age that's a big yeah. time big difference of age right. when you're that age so maybe the age we are now it does mm -hmm. six years although i wouldn't mind being 46 again but okay right? <laughs> um all right so we don't know uh as far as you know though Paige, in talking to this friend didn't say anything like, you know what, I'm having, you know, once again, any fears in her life, any stalking issues, anything like that. Nothing like that's come up. Not that I'm aware of at all. No. Okay. I think that would have come out. We would have known that by now. Through, I think so too. But you know, I would think that yeah. would yeah. These are just the questions I have to make sure I cover all the bases. Mm -hmm. and not to use a pun given that she was. No, but it makes me game. think too. I'm like, I should yeah. know some of these things, but I'm like, well, I, I don't know everything, you know? Okay. Um, regarding this plan to take your mother to the airport that day, uh, was that something that was planned? Like, this is something that probably had been planned. This wasn't a spur of the moment thing. This was probably a trip that didn't plan weeks in advance. I would say, yeah, for sure. In advance. Cause you know, you couldn't just book your own ticket. You had to go through an agency and all that kind of thing. And right. Okay. So she doesn't get to the softball game. And what is your understanding about what happens next? Does the fiance decide to play in the softball game or he says, Hey, my fiance is not here. I got to go find her. Do we know what he and everybody else did when she didn't show up for the game on time? You know, I don't know the exact um, event timing of events, but um, whether it was during the game, whether it was after the game, um, you know, he kind of kept looking for her is what I was told in the, in the stands kind of thing, looking for his fiance and she never made it back. 
And so at that point, I know we started getting phone calls when in Atlanta at my sister's house where Mm -hmm. we were all staying. Um, And he's like, you know, was she going to do something else? Like, do you, did she mention anything? And, and my mom was like, no, you know, she was supposed to, you know, drop me off, go to the picnic and then come to your game. Okay. All right. So was the fiance that kind of got the ball ball rolling on this, that she's not there. And then, yeah, I don't know if he went to a pay phone or whatever in 1990, but somehow he ends up calling people trying to Mm -hmm. figure, figure out if they've heard from Paige. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what do you know about, uh, do you specifically remember where you were when you heard that Paige hadn't showed up for that softball game? Well, we were all together at my sister's house in Atlanta. Yeah. So there were five or six of us together with the new baby and just having dinner, hanging out. And, you know, and first got the call. We're like, oh, she must've just changed her mind and gone, done something else. You know, we didn't think, you know, immediately that that was, you know, something, you know, really off the wall. I mean, you know, we didn't have cell phones then. So maybe she did just decide to go do something else and go home or something after that. But I I believe, I think Steve did go back to their home where they were living, Mm -hmm. realized she wasn't there either. Okay. And then events started coming together. Then we started getting really nervous because it wasn't like her to, just not be around when she's supposed to be. And I, given that what Nikki brought up before about technology in the, in the 21st century, this would be a whole different, oh. you know, sequence uh, of events, right? Yes. Right. Nikki, you, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you, Nikki, you being involved in this, you've probably gone through this many times in your own head. If this happens now that, you know, people are calling her phone, et cetera. Right. You've probably played right. that I mean, scenario many times. Would have had her phone, you know, there's all of that GPS tracking, something super simple. If she went missing, you, and if she had her phone on her, you can kind of see, you know, and track those movements. Same with, you know, DNA testing of the yeah. vehicle and, you know, all sorts of different things. The way that, you know, her case was portrayed to the media, you know, they had to handwrite and handprint flyers, whereas, you know, we could just share this throughout the media immediately on Facebook and everywhere else right. and get the word spread a lot faster. Right. Even if something is simple, you know, he could have, if he had a cell phone, he could have called her during the game, game. Hey, hey, where are you? And when she doesn't answer, once again, everything gets started just a little bit quicker, you know? Right. 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 Okay. Very good. So what, uh, the way you remember it, Michelle, you know, of course you're all that most of our family's down there in Georgia. I I should say up there in Georgia, given that I'm in Florida, (laughs) but um, what do you do for that rest of the day? Is, Is there any panic yet? Or, or well, it was evening. It was, you know, late, late afternoon, early evening. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a whole day. Um, you know, it wasn't a whole day that we didn't know she wasn't where she was supposed to be. You know, it was evening time. Um, I would say mid-evening, early to mid-evening that we, you know, got the call from Steve. And he's like, oh, you know, is she mad at me? Where'd she go? And we're like, I don't know. Nobody knew. Nobody right. knew. Okay. And so, yeah. So after he went home to, to where she was living with him at his house, mm-hmm. I'm told then he realized she wasn't there. So he called us back in Atlanta and said, she's not at the house. Wow. Oh. The call. 
And so my mom said, well, you know, go to my house and listen to the, the voicemail because I have a machine, the machine in the kitchen because you couldn't just call or my mom wasn't sure how to do that back then Yeah, to listen from a different phone. So anyway, um, he got to my mom's house and my mom said, well, he's like, well, it's locked. You know, none of the neighbors had a key, any of that. So she said, we'll break a small window where you can reach around. Wow. So he did, you know, wow. and yep. And then he listened to the machine and there was a call from Livingston County uh, Sheriff's Department already. Well, so, even was, before, yes. so even mm -hmm. before the, the, you know, there was no missing persons report or anything else filed yet. Already there was this message on the on the answering machine. Correct. And wow. the answering machine okay. because it was my that. mom's company car. Right. OK. So Paige was not even anything in the mix. They just said, hey, we have your car you know, was found on the side of the freeway, gives me goosebumps right now. Um, yeah. And that's when, you know, that's when we knew something was not right at all. Right. And, and on that message, staff, you know, on that message, he was, did he, did he even say, you know what, we found the car, not only did we find the car, but it was sitting here idling. Do you, it was that? I don't know what was actually said. They just said, I think they said, we had your company car. It was at the side of the freeway. They, you know, I would think they would have said running, but I don't know. I don't okay. know. Yeah. Okay. And was it Steve or one of you who officially um, did the paperwork for her missing persons case? Of course, he's the one that's there. I mean, it sounds to me like he's, you know, of course, we always take a really close look at fiancés and husbands of mm -hmm. missing and boyfriends of missing. Let's just admit it. But it seems yep. like he's doing these things, you know, that you're asking him, you know, your family is fa your family's asking him to do. Is mm -hmm. he then the one who filed the missing persons report, like gave the information or someone else? You know, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it was my mom over the phone, because at that point we still didn't know. Right. I mean, we knew that was really strange. It was not normal at all. Right. But we didn't really know what she what. I mean, obviously she wasn't in the car, so she's missing, but you know, it might've been the next day, even. Yeah, I just I remember a surprised. lot of running around because there was a lot of um, low staff. It was a holiday weekend at the, you know, Livingston County. They didn't have, you know, everyone wasn't on staff. Um, and that's why the car sat there for quite a while, idling. Okay. All right. So that this is what happened in that day and then into the next day that this car is found there and it wasn't even found due to anybody calling it in. It was just sitting there by itself. And as we know, mm -hmm. once in a while, not every car that's on the side of a highway, but depending on the circumstances, a uh, mm -hmm. police officer will pull over, especially if a car has been sitting there for a little long. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, what's going on here? And of course, they check the registration. That's how they find out, you know, who the driver mm -hmm. is. Maybe they even got in there or found some sort of information and tracked uh, your mother down, your mother's number down there in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's how this disappearance starts. Nikki, I'm now going to bring you back into this conversation. And. You know, how did you decide, uh, you know, to get involved with this? Is this something that before you were actually an adult, this is something you said, you know what, I'm going to take an interest in this when, when I become old enough, uh, being that your mother's here watching this, you can answer, mm -hmm. did, did you do this with your mother's approval? Is this something you got in your head, you know, this is something I really want to get involved in, you know, talk a little bit about that before we get into the, 
you know, the real deeper issues of this disappearance? Yeah, I guess I didn't uh, exactly ask for approval, but didn't really feel like I needed to. Um, nope. You know, it's kind of a all hands on deck situation. So when I really understood it and I was like, wow, okay, like, you know, what can I do to help? Like, I want to learn more about it. So that's when I started really asking her a million and a half questions and, mm-hmm. you know, sharing that information with a lot of people that I knew and just getting all of the information about the case and, you know, theorizing and thinking, what if, what if yeah. this or that or something like that, and just starting all of those conversations and really learning about the case. And when did this start happening? Um, I feel like high school, maybe ninth, ish grade maybe maybe 10th grade okay i don't know how old you are can you give us maybe a a year just to get uh, give us an idea how many years you? Uh, so like 2011 2010 wow oh so over 10 years now yeah (laughs) okay all right great okay over 10 years and is this one of those things in in learning about of course your mother she was alive at the time she lived it you know the very second by second you know you know, being in Atlanta, getting that call, you know, and, and being a part of all of that for mm-hmm. you, of course, you did not live it. But in the process of you working on Paige's disappearance, have you like read about a lot of other disappearances, whether it's in Michigan or, you know, to kind of educate yourself or has this been, a you know, how would you explain how you've gone about doing this? Um, so not always specifically disappearances, but um a lot of forensic psychology, criminology, those types of things, you know, thinking back to like, okay, we don't have, you know, her body has never been found. So kind of trying to figure out how to solve the crime from the other perspective of figuring out, um, you know, the type of person that might do that or something Mm -hmm. like that. So. All right. Exactly. Why is it that some, you know, if, you know, and I'm not, we, on this uh, podcast, we do not push anybody in any particular direction, but just as an example, if somebody did cause foul play and that's the reason Paige went missing, why did the person choose to hide her? Of course we know in, in a lot of murders, the bodies are left behind for Paige. Why was she taken seemingly, you know, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Like that. Okay. Very good. All right. Let's now move on to the rest of the disappearance. And of course we have to start with that car. Uh, and I'm going to try to involve uh, both of you uh, in this conversation. I'll start with you, Michelle. Um, this location, uh, as I've read, it was right there on I-96. Would you say that would have been on the way home? Is that the proper route she should have been on going home that day? Yeah, absolutely. That's how you get from there to here. Um, okay. Perfect route. All right. So that makes Nothing all the unusual. sense. Okay, right. Makes sense going from Canton, Michigan to mm-hmm. Okemos, Michigan. That is the highway you'd have to be on. Correct. Okay. Now for you, uh, Nikki, I'll ask you some questions. What right there, right there in the outline. Any damage? It, we already talked about it was running, but do we know anything about how much gas was left in it? Anything unusual at the car that you've been able to find out over the past 10 plus years of devoting your life to this? Um, nothing was ever found because they did, you know, look that over as a 
big concern, you know, of mm-hmm. a reason why she might have pulled over. Yeah. So, you know, there was nothing wrong with it. And the fact that it was kind of, it was idling and still running kind of speaks for itself. You know, there wasn't anything mechanically wrong with it. Mm-hmm. No, nothing, for example, like a tire being flat, anything like that? No. No. Okay. Uh, once again, I'll direct this to you, uh, Nikki. What about the interior? What do you, what have you learned about things regarding the interior of the car? Uh, what was there? We've talked about this uh, bottle of beer, maybe can of beer that was there. Was it there? What about, you know, other things uh, that were still in yeah. the car? Please. I believe it was a can of beer, um, but there was also her purse and her shoes in there. So um, whether she had her shoes on and took them off or wasn't wearing them at all while she was driving, you know, that's kind of unknown at this point. Okay. Um, but you know, with her person there thinking if there was something wrong with the car and she needed to walk to the gas station because the car couldn't move any further or something like that, she would have brought those items with her. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I guess what we're also saying is being that the purse was there, there doesn't seem to be a robbery component to this, right? Right. Okay. You know, her purse was there. But is your understanding, Nikki, that, for example, there was there cash in it or credit cards in it, those things? Um, I don't know specifically offhand. Um, and then as far as this, the rest of the car goes, I think it was pretty empty for the most part because it was the company car. So it's not like, you know, how much stuff I have in the back of my car, you know, just uh, random <laughs> things that are there. You know, uh, it was a pretty, you know, clean and uh, well-kept car. Okay, very good. Right. We have to remember that. It's very important to remember for everybody that this was not technically Paige's mother's car. It was a car that was given to her uh, for her job, uh, whatever job that was. And it's really not important, I don't think, uh, to this disappearance. Uh, All right. So there's stuff in there. Doesn't seem like there was any violence. Uh, Maybe I'll ask you going back to Michelle. Have you ever heard anything put forth? by anyone saying, you know, is there, were there signs that maybe somebody else could have been in the car with her being that, could she have picked somebody up? Has there anybody, any proof that anybody else could have been in the car with her that you've heard? From what I know, uh, the answer to that is no. Uh, the seats were in the proper position there. You know, I, gosh, was it a two door? I'm even doubting yeah. myself for a moment. It was a two door. And okay. um, yeah. And so anyway, but there was like, nothing was out of place. It wasn't um, as though someone could have been in the car or in the front seat. Um, There was no sign that anyone was there. It would be very, very odd for my sister to pick up a hitchhiker. Like this is not her style um, or who's got a style, but that's just nothing like we ever would have done, you know. Right. We By the time it. 1990, I think, came around, hitchhiking was kind yeah, of... Yeah, that was kind of... It was yeah. like a 50s, 60s, and 70s type of thing. By the 80s, mm. I think people started to figure out, you know, this is a little strange and... Yeah, you know, and Yeah, and I, I'm just going to get, you know, people hitchhiking, who knows, they might get the wrong with the wrong, wrong person, mm-hmm. or people picking up hitchhikers, they might pick up the wrong person. Okay. Um. All right. So going back to you, Nikki... Has it ever been determined how long the car had been sitting there? And we're, we haven't even gotten to these witnesses and everything else yet. But 
any determination on how long the car had been sitting there from the time, if we're to believe Paige put it there, to the time that the police officer came along. Any idea how many hours that might have been? Uh, it was several hours because um, she hmm. was, based on the witness reports and things like that, it was determined that she went missing around 315, 320-ish. Okay. Um, and then I believe it was um, around the time that the sun was kind of going down uh, because there was somebody that had driven past it, thought it was weird, didn't think anything of it, and then had later driven back down that freeway and saw that it was still there. And I believe might have noticed the headlights or something uh, that were on. Okay. So several hours, do you mean like more than three hours? Uh, maybe three to five. Three yeah, to five. I would Okay. So that. quite a while. Quite a while. And once again, uh, Nikki, your understanding. So when it came to this, uh, the car being, you know, of course, we know it got called in by the Livingston County Sheriff's Office. Was this, once again, was this a situation, that, as either one of you can answer this, just so we're clear on this. Was this a situation where the policeman himself pulled over or was it called in by somebody who then, you know, said, you know what, there's just been cars sitting there all day. I think somebody should go check it out. Either one of you can answer that. Maybe I'll go back to Michelle. What is your understanding regarding that? It kind of goes both ways, actually. I don't know exactly what happened. Obviously, I wasn't there. But um, mm. as far as I know, that there had been calls about a car at the side of the road. Okay. Several calls. That's what, what I understand. Um, and then, again, like Nikki had mentioned, someone else had traveled that route and was going back that same route in the thought it was odd that the car was still there, but the lights were on because over, you know, over time and it started getting dark and maybe they're automatic lights. I, I don't, you know, okay. uh, not sure. All right. But that's when they finally, cause they were, as far as I remember is the Livingston County was a little shorthanded. It was a holiday weekend. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, there was a car at the side of the road earlier. It wasn't much to really, you know, get right on until later it was still there and then they were went to check it out okay so i guess maybe what we're saying then nikki is that this the the police officer showing up at the car it could have been just the public motivated a driver that called it yeah in. yeah that's kind of my understanding is that you know it wasn't necessarily a police officer that stopped to check it out but after reports came in of hey you know this is going on then they sent somebody over to take a look okay and uh, Nikki, uh, over the years, have you been to that location? Yes. Okay. Why don't you, for the listeners, why don't you just describe this, uh, the location, this highway? Of course, we're, you know, this is 2023. I don't know how much has changed in Fowlerville since then. Maybe Michelle mm -hmm. would know a little bit more about that. Yeah. But maybe you, in your own words, can explain, you know, this, how close it was to the exit, the surrounding area. Yeah, so it kind of just looks like the side of any highway. Um, it was not very far from the exit. You know, you could see kind of that where you turn off on the exit. You could see that from where the car was found. Um, so then um, to one side was that exit. And, you know, from what I can see at this day and age, there's a gas station that really sticks out. Fellerville is kind of a very small town, just not really anything to it so just you know a few gas stations you know mcdonald's things like that but no big businesses um per se right at that exit 
Okay. I'll go to you, Michelle. Once again, being mm -hmm. that you were around the area at the time, uh, Fowlerville, how much has it changed since 1990 as far as size or anything else? Well, I would say it actually has changed quite a bit. Um, that exit uh, itself, there, there's the same gas station. I mean, you could see it from the freeway. It wasn't like mm -hmm. if she had to get off on the freeway, like she wasn't sure where she was going or something. Yeah. I mean, it was clear there was an exit. There was gas station and a few other businesses. Now, um, you know, just adjacent to that area, there are some very large companies that have come in and built, you know, there's a lot of, you know, um, building that's gone on. And um, mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's grown. It's definitely grown. You know, it's a rural rural area, but it, it a lot of business, a lot of corporations have, you know, smaller corporations have come in that area and filter. Okay. Uh, let me just uh, let me just ask you this then. Uh, we've all been on the highway one time or the other and <laughs> had to go to the bathroom real bad because you know the the big thing about this disappearance is why would she pull over to the side of the road in a perfectly mm -hmm. fine car? Now, of course, a reason that pops into my mind is you have to go to the bathroom. Is this kind of the place where you would do something like that to like run off into the weeds to go to the bathroom? I would say no, just because there were like were businesses right there. Like you could visually see them from the freeway. Okay. Um, you know, uh, okay. that would be, that yeah, doesn't make sense. And then okay. without your shoes, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Good point, I don't think though. there was enough trees right off the highway that to give you any protection from the passing cars. Right. Yeah. A little, a little privacy, right? Yeah. It was yeah. like a ditch, ditch area, but not like, yeah, not trees. Okay. So, very good. Let's move on to this. And I'll, I'll ask you of this, Nikki, as, be as best as you can tell, you've been working on this. Uh, when did the witnesses start? coming in, in not just about the car but about people seeing page seemingly at the car talking to a man in a maroon van how long after this did that 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 all start as best as you can tell um i would say fairly immediate um because those are people that had just been driving down that highway you know if you were to ask me about the last time I drove down the highway, what I remember, you know, that wouldn't be something that stuck out. Mm -hmm. Okay, so is this a situation the way you understand it, Nikki, that, okay, she's missing, word gets out, and then all these people start calling in, well, you know what, I remember that car, and I remember yeah. that woman, so, a situation like that. Yeah. Okay, very good. Um, Michelle, Regarding this, this man or men, you know, how, you know, that we have um, the, my understanding and having been that both of you know that I spoke uh, to the sergeant who is now in charge of uh, Paige's disappearance, you know, he told me that, that he, he has it in his records, 41 people called it in uh, to say that they saw Paige talking to someone on the side of the road that day. Um, but what is your understanding about the the person is some people say one some people say two men what is your understanding michelle well it depends who you talk to mm -hmm. uh lots of people called and said there was one one man you know talking to her between the cars um some people said there were two 
Um, there were, you know, different different ethnicities, you know, from different people, you know, but with the composites that they came up with, the composite drawings that they came up with, um, you know, I, I you know, they, two two is what I I think the majority. I, I might be wrong on that, but okay. two people, two men. And uh, I think all of those tips are really true because as you're passing by, they might have only seen one person well. and then a couple moments later, another person comes out and a different person saw that many people. So mm -hmm. very well, very good point. Very well could be. And I should have asked you this, uh, Michelle, when this all started getting uh, rolling and Paige didn't show up after just a few hours, did all of you automatically go back to Michigan or were all your plans changed or what? Oh yeah, they changed. Um, but we couldn't, we couldn't get a flight out hmm. of Atlanta because it was, it was Memorial Day weekend. All the wow. flights were full and no one had any room. So my oldest sister, Tammy worked for a company and they had a Learjet. Wow. And her company, uh, the CEO sent the Learjet down to pick us up in Atlanta and brought us back. It wow. was, I mean, it was crazy. It was amazing. Otherwise it could have been days before we, you know, I think it was the next day when we got out on. Okay. All right. So fairly quickly. It was just so, one day. I think it was one day. Wow. That's very, well, it was very nice. Well, the owner of the company. Oh, I, it was incredible because it could have been a, several days or a week before we could have gotten back. Okay. You know? All right. And so you just jumped in. Um, I'm guessing you uh, met up with her fiance fairly quickly. Oh yeah, to, absolutely. Yeah. Up, I think we all just met at the house here at my mom's house and okay. it was kind of like grand central station. Cause there were, you know, media Oh, at that point, it was a little soon for media, but mm -hmm. we got here, but between the police officers that were coming through and the investigators and people asking questions and us trying to figure out what do we do? Like, mm -hmm. what do you do when someone's missing yeah. an adult at that? Right. You know, so it used to be like, you have to wait 48 hours, you know, before it's different. Yeah, it's different now. So, okay. But a lot of chaos. Nikki, regarding these witnesses, uh, and like I said, there are many, uh, like I said, I don't know if we can believe all of them. My experience tells me that there are a lot of people out there who just like to infuse themselves into yes. disappearances and they really don't know anything. But even when you get the the number gets up to 41, even I might start thinking that some of them are telling the truth. But for you, Nikki, what did, in general, what did these witnesses describe? Um, Paige standing there, at least one guy, were they arguing? Were they on the ground rolling around fighting? Were they having a nice conversation? Did anybody get that descriptive? Um, I believe... I don't know how many one or more people had kind of described her talking to these men, kind of had her hands up in the air, making some sort of gestures. <clears throat> uh, but at the same time, it's not quite clear because as you're driving 70 plus miles an hour down the highway, you only see that for a split second. So it's hard to really get context of are you was she talking with her hands or was she trying to, you know, um, handle a situation and kind of diffuse something I don't, mm. that's all unknown at this point okay uh very important question uh did anybody though actually see Paige getting into this other vehicle whether through by choice or by force anybody see her no. ever get into the van but at the same time you know if it depends on what side of the vehicle they were talking on if they weren't talking on the side where the cars are passing and they're on the opposite side on the shoulder, 
then the interaction that people are seeing is very little. Okay. Yeah, very limited. Right. So no one, no one would have seen that happen if right. they would have moved around the side of the vehicle. All right. To the uh, to the opposite side of the berm, mm -hmm. on the, like the grassy side of the berm of the yeah. road. Okay. Very good. And uh, Michelle, has anybody was anybody so descriptive so as to say what? uh manufacture or make or model of the van was or we just do we just have maroon van or maroon suv it was yeah it was before suvs so it was a minivan a maroon minivan uh i think they checked them all out at the time because there were only there weren't that many um i guess i from what i remember um there weren't that many makes of that type of thing then okay um yeah, minivans but, came out about 1984-85 with Chrysler. Mm -hmm, you know, the mm -hmm. Maroon's a fairly popular car color. Yeah, so, or was it a more boxy, you know, type, and not, not a minivan? Boxy. What's that? Okay. My understanding is that it was more boxy compared to, like, the more rounded edges that we see now. Yeah. Okay. So we don't know if it was a Ford, if it was a Chrysler, if it was a Mercedes. We have no idea. Okay. Um, the way you understand it, Michelle, now that we have this description, uh, we should, you know, we should say that these men were, uh, the witnesses said that they were at least one black man, maybe two black men. They're, I think mm -hmm. they were all the same race. But uh, the way you knew um, Paige or anybody else since then, any person matched that description, a black man or black man who drove a maroon minivan of some type did anybody did anybody like a certain person or man or per, anybody jump into anybody's mind at the time none, none. zero mm -hmm. okay. like there was it was just not nothing made sense mm -hmm. nothing made sense from day one okay uh and, and what about steve what was he how was he uh reacting to all of this uh did he offer any uh, once again, oh, it's just, I, I'm just going to mm -hmm. say, we always have to be suspicious of these guys. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I you know, just the way we have to be my experience after seven years, but, uh, how did he react to it? Um, you know, did he say anything? Oh. Well, you know, uh, Paige was telling me, you know, something about some guy, anything like that. Not that specific at all. Nothing like that. Um, at all like i mean he was very involved with our family and trying to do and figure figure out where why she didn't come back like why why this even happened it like it didn't make sense based on her personality um and he was with us he stayed here at the house i think if i recall i mean he was here nearly 24 7 if not 24 7 for a while you know because we had space here at the house and and we just never knew who was going to be calling or checking in and um and he was very very helpful okay you know super all right helpful. So, so all the people who as best you can tell all the people who knew Paige the best nobody could say she knew a guy driving a maroon uh <laughs> minivan anything like that none none zero okay 
this is where I'm going to jump in and do a little bit of talking now because, uh, of course, Nikki and Michelle know this because I sent them a bunch of information. And we're, by the way, we're doing this interview on July 13th of 2023. And this is an episode that came out on July 14th, the very next day of 2023. Who Anybody who listens or watches this in, in the future, whether it's next year or 100 years from now. Um, that, you know, I, there were quite a few women getting murdered and going missing in Detroit or that general area in that, you know, general time frame. let's just say 1986 to 1994, a lot mm -hmm. of women similar to Paige who went missing or were murdered. And I'll ask you this, Michelle, were you aware of that at the time? I realized that maybe you had moved away or anything, but was your family aware that there was this Leslie Williams who was a serial killer in the area at the time, Jeff Gordon? Any, any not till after the fact, not till after Paige disappeared. No, no, we, I, I didn't know. And then I lived away on top of that. So, um, okay. no. All right. Because, uh, this is a component that I think at least has to be examined. Um, you know, once again, I'll just do a little talking here. Um, there was this woman, Dawn McGowan, who went missing to very similar to Paige's disappearance in that her car was found and but she was only not she wasn't missing for that long but there was the uh, idea that maybe she got pulled over by someone pretending to be a cop and was killed what well, turned out don mcgowan was found alive uh not long later and allegedly she had some type of disassociative fugue or amnesia or something like that and to my knowledge she is alive to this day all right so this is uh this is information that i've already sent you to but i'm just telling this to the listeners now and is there has been a lot made also of as the articles that i put out there for everybody to see already before this episode came out about all these different women leslie williams was certainly a serial killer but i don't and he was certainly not in jail at the time of page's disappearance i'm just not exactly sure whether this fits his modus operandi of randomly pulling over a woman on the side of the road or, or something like that. And then as far as Jeff Gordon, he was connected to the Detroit airport because he actually murdered a flight attendant in a hotel at the airport. And so Paige was at the airport that day, but are we really, really to believe that if he, and he was of course on the loose at the time, did he really follow her that whole way from the airport? It just doesn't seem very likely. Yeah. But these were things, though, as both of you know, these were things that police have looked at over the years, correct? This is your understanding. Yes, absolutely. They've okay. looked into so many different, you know, stories and theories and, and disappearances and trying to match something up. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and uh, as I saw a few years later, maybe 1994, they did a whole huge article with all the pictures of these women and and everything else uh, that everybody can now see that, that I've posted. So, and some of those have been solved. Some of those killers were eventually caught. Some of them still unsolved, including, of course, Paige's disappearance. Uh, Michelle, being that you were around, you know, she's your sister, you were around at the time. Um, any chance that Paige knew any of these women who also went missing or murdered? Has that ever even come up in the last 33 years? I think once they, once those stories were in the paper, I know I, you know, read them and looked at them and, you know, asked 
um, my mom, because my mom was so involved in this, in this case before she passed away. Yeah. Um, so she, we're trying to pick up where she left off. Um, yeah. And yeah, so none, no, none of those names, not one of those names um, mm-hmm. rang a bell or, you know, mm-hmm. Paige had a pretty tight knit group of, of close girlfriends in the area here um, that she even kind of grew up with high school, you know, high school even, friends. So no, no connection 33 years later that Paige has ever been connected to any of these women, even if it's something really bizarre like you know she was substituting at some school and in one of the classes one of these missing or murder women that their child was in that class nothing like that that you know of not that i know of no no okay very good all right we've already talked Paige seemingly wasn't getting stalked being followed anything like that uh i'll move on to this and i'll ask being that you were around at the time uh, michelle of course we've talked about the fiance his name is steve um did the police give him the once over, you know, did they check him out? <laughs> of course he's at this softball game. That's a pretty good alibi, but you know, do, do you think that they give him a good once over back in 1990 to, to make sure that they could rule him out? Yes, absolutely. I think they did. Uh, I don't know the time frame, but I would say yes, they did. And yes, they did again. I would say again and again, four or five more times over this 33 years, they, you know, uh, called him back in and he's answered the questions. He's passed polygraphs. Uh, he's come up clear. Okay. Very good. You know, so yes, they did right off the bat. Right. And what, and what, uh, once again, we haven't used his last name, his last name's out there, but we're not going to get yeah. into that here. Uh, what kind of life would you say that he has led since 1990? Any allegations that he's ever gone to jail for uh, battery or raping a woman, anything like that to your knowledge? Not that I know of. And again, I didn't really know him very well either. Um, uh, but no, not that I know of. Okay. I'll ask Nikki, being that you've been working yeah. on this uh, for over 10 years, I just have to ask, have you kind of gone back and taken a second look at Steve, just seeing what he's been up to? Of course, we know everybody's information on the internet these days. And if right. you can't get it for free, you can pay a little bit of money, get everybody's criminal record and everything else. Being I know that because that's what I do. But for you, Nikki, if you bothered to maybe check him out and what he's done over the last 33 years to make sure that maybe he did not develop a uh, a history of abuse against women um i have looked you know social media wise a couple of times but you know when it comes to social media everybody puts their best face forward so yeah. you know if there was anything inappropriate or illegal happening i wouldn't have seen it there um and i do know that a lot of uh domestic and sexual violence often happens behind closed doors and isn't always public information and isn't is uh isn't prosecuted terribly often um unless it's pretty severe so um if that happened i i'm not i don't i don't know about it okay And I'll, I'll continue to by asking you, Nikki, you know, your work over the last 10 plus years, anything that is really, you know, popped out to you, you working on this, um, for example, you know, uh, have you come across maybe something that, 
um, you know, they might have missed at the time something that you've been able to pass along to your mother, for example, um, you know, something new and, and how have you, you know, what have you been doing to work on this? What is your kind of your mode of working on this? Yeah, so it kind of ebbs and flows, um, you know, throughout the year. Um, we do have a Facebook page that we manage and we'll, you know, submit random tips to us that we always forward onto law enforcement. Um, so kind of going through that as well, uh, we attend a um, an event held by the Michigan State Police called Missing in Michigan. That's every year for families with missing people. So always reconnecting there and kind of talking more about it and spending some time on it. And, you know, the family always talks about it for the next few days after that, um, just a little bit more about the case and things like that. Uh, but I would say over the last 10 years, the biggest piece that has kind of stuck out uh, was the map and letter that were left um, on the detective's desk uh, back in the 90s. And that has always been a big question mark. Um, they did a search, but it's always just kind of stuck out in our um, in our minds that, you know, the way that it was done, there was... Um, you and know, why don't you expound on that a little bit more? What is what are you talking about? This map and everything. Please, please tell the listeners about that. Yeah. So there was basically uh, literally a map and a letter that was left on a detective's desk and had been filed away for a number of years. And then when case files were being uh, revisited, that's when it was found. It wasn't initially investigated when it was found on that desk, to my understanding. Um, so once they began looking at that, it was a very clear cut map, somebody that has some sort of skills or knowledge on how to draw a map, um, which basically it um, says basically X marks the spot, uh, for lack of better words. Um, so and then there's a letter that kind of follows along with it that says, you know, this might be a red herring, but I know some people, it, it wasn't somebody saying that they had did it, but they had known somebody and had all of this secondhand information. Um, and so that's what the letter is kind of describing um, what the map shows. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that location is off the Fowlerville exit. So whether somebody drew that up because um, of false interest, they wanted to, you know, spark an investigation yeah. for not the right reasons could have been that could have been something they did investigate the site um but and nothing was found so but it's always kind of stuck out in our heads of you know maybe there's more to it um but nothing that we've ever been able to identify all far. right I I need to ask you, so are you saying this literally or figuratively that it ended up on the on this desk? I mean, somebody, was it mailed or did somebody find a way into this person's office without anybody seeing? I mean, how did that's kind of my understanding is that it was physically in the law enforcement office. Nobody knows how it got there. Um, so lots of kind of random theories on how it could have gotten there, uh, whether it was law enforcement involvement or not. Um, nobody knows. Okay. Michelle, were you aware of this uh, letter at the time when it happened back in the early 90s? Well, not until, Nikki, I don't know if you remember when it was actually taken out of the file, because originally it got from, my, I wish my mom was here. Um, mm -hmm. She knows it all. And uh, But originally the letter 
that was supposedly dropped off on a desk. And then it was mysteriously filed for, I don't know, what, 15 years? Yeah. Maybe not that long. Okay. I, I don't know when then it was actually found, but it was, it was a long time. Mm-hmm. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it was 2010 or 11 when they did um, the search of the property. So, yes. Um, okay. Yeah. And that just goes back to the whole technology thing. You know, if there was cameras at the police department right. at the time, they would have I seen know. them in and out. And- right. Was this, uh, your understanding, how far was this away from the car? It was in Fowlerville, so it couldn't have been too far. So it's like, maybe 10 miles yes. off the exit okay okay but it goes back to more rural you know dirt road um the end of the map kind of explains what used to be uh, a lover's lane you know where people would go and you know make out or smoke pot or something like that um it's now a little more residential but still very dirt road wooded area Okay. Your understanding is this private property or local government property or, or what either it's of you private can property it? now. It is. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we have this letter with a map. Somebody writes it. Somebody doesn't uh sign, you know, anything. Uh doesn't sign a name, Jane Doe, John Smith, nothing like that. It's in an envelope on the, you know, detective's desk. I don't know what to make of that. Um, but it doesn't look like it was mailed. It actually looked like somebody actually walked it in. Yeah, they're nodding. Okay, all right. As far as we know. I, I will give you my impression, just my opinion. This sounds like some sort of psychic or something. That just does, you know, uh, I have a sensing and I'm going to, you know, and that's usually why people would it's Not what they us. said in the letter, but there have been psychics over the years that yeah. have given tips that are far less specific. Yeah, I'm sure there have been. Okay. Mm-hmm. For both of you, you are, you know, and I, this is one of those things where I think it matters uh, if you're, a, you know, a man or a woman regarding this. So I'll ba- ask both of you. You've, uh, I'm guessing both of you have been on long drives by yourself in your car. Can you think of any reason why either of you would pull over to the side of the road when you're by yourself, when your car was not having any problems? Michelle, you've had a long time to think of this. Can you think of any reason? Yeah, not many. Uh, was there something in the car? Was there a spider? Was there a bee? You know, was there something that like, because I, I know my oldest sister wouldn't completely like go off the side of the road if there was a spider in the car. But but I mean, that's something that maybe, you know, is a possibility because it makes sense mm-hmm. to me. Um you know, I used to travel a lot on the freeways and in, in uh, different areas in Georgia and a few other states. And and I would think about that, like what would make me pull over and uh, something in the car that scared me or someone flashed a badge. I got, you know, they call it badging where uh, impersonator. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. sure. I guess the fates totally, we know there are people, mostly men who fake being Mm -hmm. cops to pull women over to rape them. Certainly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess the big issue would be that usually it's not done in some maroon van. (laughs) You know, usually these guys, as I talked about with Sergeant Young, usually a lot of the times these people 
have cars that kind of look like police cars. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how much they get into this. What about you, uh, Nikki? Any, you know, I'm sure you've had a chance to drive some places by yourself for a distance. Yeah. Any reason you could ever imagine yourself pulling over to the side of the road in a perfectly fine working car? Of course, we already talked about going to the bathroom, but anything else? Um, You know, the bathroom thing, you know, sticks out. Do I think that's what happened? No. Um, I would see that situation being more on like a rural road compared to a highway that has many exits, you know, and many options for nearby bathrooms. Um, my mom and I have been kind of talking about the um, bee or spider or whatever in the car, I guess, kind of more recently as an option and thinking yeah. about that, like that's very realistic. And maybe if there was somebody that had followed her from the gas station you know, that would have been a perfect opportunity um, if that's what their plan was. You know, she already pulled over on her own. Um, but other than that, you know, there's no reason um, if there's no check engine light that comes on in my car um, or something like that. You know, she doesn't didn't have a cell phone, so it's not like she was pulling over to make a, a call or something like that. Right. Now, I should ask you, being that this uh, was a company car, were there, were there any stickers or words or anything on it that denoted it as a company car? Michelle, any, you know, because sometimes company cars do have kind yeah, of stickers would, from the business or, or something. I would say no. Um, I don't recall anything being on that car. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even a license plate. Um, frame or something. Frame, but not, even if she did, it would have probably been a Michigan State one. <laughs> So uh, yeah, right. she was a big fan, uh, but I don't even recall that being on there. You know, for example, like many, if you rent a car, for example, from Hertz or whatever, mm. they'll have a sticker right on there. You know, Hertz, you know, it's like advertising for them, free advertising on their cars. Nothing like that. Either of you have ever heard about being on that car? No. Okay. No. All right. One more thing before we, you know, we get into how this has, you know, affected both of you over the years. There was this person who was uh, seemingly uh, one of the witnesses who went on TV. Uh, Michelle, do you remember when this happened at the time? This witness who went on local Michigan TV and said, yes, I saw, I was pulling in. Do you remember that? I remember that vividly. Okay, um, tell, tell the listeners about it, please. Well, because um, we, I remember watching it on the news because um, we had every time the news would come on would, you know, stop and watch to see if there was something that we hadn't been told. But apparently there was a witness that saw Paige at the side of the road okay. alone, no one else, no other vehicle. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, outside the vehicle as though maybe look, maybe looking in um, through the windshield or the window or something. So she supposedly she was outside of the car looking in and he saw her and pulled over in front of her because uh, he was going too fast. So he pulled yeah. over in front of her and started to back up, you know, um, on the side of the freeway. Mm -hmm. And at that time, he claims that he sees this burgundy minivan, maroon minivan, pull up behind her. And he thinks to himself, you know, this isn't safe. I'm backing up down the freeway. Um, someone else is helping her. So he pulls forward and leaves. Okay. And right. I, re I remember vividly, too, that his his face was blocked out. He didn't want to be, you know, he was very upset as well. Um, he was, you know, very upset that 
he didn't know that he was this close to something this horrific. Right. right. And he could have changed everything by stopping. And I guess what it also means is, and once again, for both of you, the way you understand the witnesses, is that what they described that her car was in front of the van or was the van in front of her car? Do you remember? Her car was in front of the van. In front of the van. So I guess, I guess that wouldn't then mean that she pulled to the side of the road first. Mm -hmm. And that's generally what we think when we see something like that. Okay. So we have this guy pull over well down the road. He starts backing up, but then another person seemingly comes in and pulls in behind. Mm -hmm. Okay. I still have a lot of questions regarding it. We don't theorize too much. And so I'm going to just stay away from it uh, for public and uh, to share that with you behind the scenes. I think I've already kind of said some things through messenger between the three of us regarding that anyway. All right. So there was this person who went on TV the listeners should know that I did talk to the sergeant from Livingston County Sheriff's Office about this. He has no idea who that person is. Whoever that witness was that went on TV or came forward or whatever, at least the uh, the officer that I spoke to says, I don't know who that person was. So mm -hmm. um, it was not documented. Might be one of those 40-some witnesses, but I don't know if they could put, pick that person's name out of any of them. So just something to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to go to you first, uh, Nikki, on this. How has this affected you working on this for the last 10 plus years? Um, I guess a few different ways. It's kind of uh, it guided me in the way that I chose my career path. Um, I got my degree in criminal justice, knowing that I wanted to learn more about the system, how investigations work, um, and, you know, a big dream of maybe being able to help others in yeah. similar situations, uh, having my firsthand experience. Right. So, you know, if this had never happened, would I be doing the same thing? I couldn't tell you. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I kind of feel that, I don't know, I just having this experience, I feel like I can do a lot more to help others. And no, I don't work in missing persons, but I do work in victim services. Um, so, you know, I love what I do. And I think having that experience kind of helps that. Okay. So you uh, got a career, uh, you know, I don't need to get, so you have a career in criminal justice. I don't need to, you know, go into the deep uh, depths of that, but that's uh, what you do for a living now. Yes. You do. Fantastic. Interesting. Okay. Very good. Uh, for you, Michelle, and if you want to speak for, of course, your sisters, and I understand uh, that your mother is deceased now, if you could speak for all of them, how, how did it affect your mother and the rest of you, of course, up until this day? <laughs> well, that's a loaded question. Um, it affected all of us similarly but at different times, like we didn't all react or not react or been upset or engaged all at the same time. Like it was over the years, it was just, it was kind of like a, a, a roller coaster. You know, my mom for sure was, uh, she was a huge advocate for, she became a huge advocate for families of those that had a missing, you know, a missing person. And she just, you know, she just dove into that. And that was her release to, to help other people, 
yet she was our liaison discussing anything with our cold case team. So there were years that went by that I didn't ever talk to our cold case team. I would ask my mom something, hey, you know, can you ask them this? I thought about that or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but until she passed away in 2017, uh, that's when we had a we had to step up to the plate, you know, and we we knew she did so much with so many different groups um, advocating for the missing. But it's taken three of us uh, family members to to really carry that on. And we're still missing pieces. People ask us things. I'm like, I don't know, but my mom would know, you know, I'm not, yeah. I don't know the answer to all these questions because she didn't tell us everything unless it was something to that needed to be discussed, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. so, um, you know, we've all kind of gone our own ways in being involved yet from afar. Uh, Nikki and I are most definitely in for the hall or not, you know, we fill the others in, yeah. you know, as needed and bounce things off each other. But Nikki and I um, really have taken on a good bit of this regular uh regular communication right okay. my mom was a squeaky wheel we, they always uh, called her the squeaky wheel uh -huh. and uh we i'm trying to keep up with that so okay you know. i i do have to ask because it hasn't been come up in this conversation at all what about your father he passed away in 1994 oh. so four years after Paige disappeared and his health was very poor at the time, uh, but he, you know, he was in law enforcement um, over the years, uh, worked for the state uh, licensing and regulations for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years of his career. Uh, but earlier on, he was a, a Michigan State uh, University police officer and, and you know, just, um, you know, taught us a few things along the way. Uh, mm -hmm. But he, he wanted to be more involved with the case but he, he wasn't able to to do that okay and uh he tried and he, he did what he could and he you know he was he was a mess it, it broke him yeah it broke him right i hear a lot about that mm -hmm. yeah. yeah uh nikki uh do you have a facebook page set up for pages or uh disappearance or anything else a website whatever if so why don't you give up all of those uh, places right now? Yeah, so at this point, we're only on Facebook. Uh, the name of the page is Paige Rinkoski Missing 52490, Never Give Up. Um, and we just kind of share, you know, things like this, media posts, you know, um, every year. A lot of the media will uh, revisit her case um, on the anniversary of her disappearance. So, you know, sometimes we'll do interviews for that or just different things. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of updates on the case. I would love to share some, but, you know, um, that's not necessarily the focus of the case. It's more just to spread awareness. And, you know, if anybody has any information, there is information on how to get in touch with the Livingston County Sheriff's Department. 
Um, but, you know, people always kind of send us messages and some are more tip related and some are more just theories that they want to bounce off of us. Uh, but, you know, it's just another outlet. If they aren't comfortable reaching out to law enforcement, we can still forward along that information. Okay. All right. Very good. Once you get, why don't you give the, uh, the Facebook page name out one more time, please, Nikki. Adrian Koski, missing 524.90. Never give up. Okay. Very good. And uh, we'll finish with Michelle. So, Nikki, any final words before we complete this interview? Um, I just want to say thank you for, you know, taking interest in this case. We never really say no to anybody that wants to talk about it because the more people that know and know that the case is still active and being talked about, the bigger the chance that something, you know, Credible information might come forward. That's that's our hope. So that's why we continue to do things like this. So thank you. You're very welcome. And Michelle, you, any final words before we complete this interview? Well, again, like Nikki just said, um, you know, we appreciate you getting the word out that there are so many missing people. I mean, even in Michigan right now, there's over 4,000 missing people in the state of Michigan. Um, and I mean, everybody wants answers. Um, and so we're going to keep, you know, uh, doing different interviews and, and checking things out and and passing along tips that we get through that website. And, uh, you know, we're not going to give up. It's over the years, you know, we've had some people say, well, gosh, it's been so long. And, you know, when does it end kind of thing? I mean, they didn't really say that, but, you know, that's kind of, and I'm like, it, it doesn't. It doesn't end. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, it's an ambiguous loss. Yeah. Big question mark that you can't That's quite right. agree and move forward from because you don't have an answer. Yeah. And you ambiguous can't have a funeral and you know get past that grieving point um, when all of when it's unsolved. So That's ambiguous. Yeah. Please. What's that? Uh, I was going to say ambiguous loss. That is a, a, a term that my good friend, Dr. Telesco at Nova Southeastern University, who is a criminal justice professor there, um, uses, you know, uh, when I appear on her show, her YouTube show, uh, talking about disappearance, the ambiguous loss. It's a, a com very common term. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just I wanted to give you a little bit of kudos for all of the, you know, research and thought that you've put oh. into this because I know there's. Plenty of podcasts and things like that that already exist on the case of people that yes. have never, you know, reached out or done yeah. much research at all. Yeah. So, you know, all of the fact checking and things like that um, has been really great. You're, well, you're very welcome. And as everybody knows who's listening, uh, we don't cover disappearances on Unfound unless I can talk to somebody who's actually knowledgeable. They, you know, you both get to bring your experiences, your knowledge you know, you are the experts on Paige's disappearance. I'm not. I'm kind of an expert on disappearance as, all, as a whole. And my job is just to extract as much information out of both of you in a very <laughs> orderly manner. And, and so, in you know, and of course, my job, I love looking into some of these things for, you know, families because sometimes they don't have the expertise or, you know, the ex experience, you know, to do so. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it can. Yeah, it can be. Uh, but as you know, just looking into all of those other women and, you know, looking at the circumstances of their disappearances and murders. I don't know if every, anybody's ever done that for you. 
before, but, you know, I sent that to you with the list and just my insight, you know, into them. And maybe that can help you in, in some way. I'm not inclined to believe any of them are connected to Paige's disappearance, but maybe there'll be a couple things there. Maybe that might catch your eye that, that are worth looking into. But uh, I appreciate you both being on this episode of Unfound. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) You're welcome. And that was my July 13th, 2023 interview with Michelle Hollis, sister of Paige Renkowski, and Nikki Hollis, niece of Paige. I thank them for appearing on both audio and video for this episode. I made a map analysis video so all of you can understand the locations that are very important to this disappearance, including where the car was idling. You can find that video now on the Unfound YouTube channel. Before I get into my summation, I need to thank Sergeant Young of the Livingston County Sheriff's Department. Michelle and Nikki recommended that I speak to him And he and I had two very productive calls, and I incorporated much of what he told me into the interview outline. To be clear, Sergeant Young is very new to the investigation, so please do not blame him for there still being no resolution to Paige's disappearance. On the subject of talking to Sergeant Young, I first want to go over two points that came up in my discussion with him that are still bouncing around in my brain. Then I will go back to the theme of this episode of Paige's disappearance being very unique. Okay, the two points. Number one, Sergeant Young told me that according to the paperwork, 41 witnesses eventually came forward to say they saw Paige on the side of the road with at least one man. You know how I doubt eyewitnesses. But even I, with that number have to start believing that yes, Paige really was standing there on the side of the road with someone. Even if three-fourths of those people are lying, that's still ten people, which is considerable. I bring this up because I have to admit that after my first perusal of the public information on this disappearance, I really had my doubts whether Paige left the car there. Why? Well, I'll get to that in a bit. Then there's point number two, once again, coming from my talk with Sergeant Young. Despite 41 people coming forward to say they saw Paige with at least one man on the side of the road, not one of the 41 saw her get into the van, not getting in easily or forcefully or carried or anything else. Not one. So I ask you, the audience, Did the guy or guys time it perfectly so as to abduct Paige when no cars were passing by? Or did Paige just happen to get into the van willingly at a time when no cars passed by? Or, dare I say, were Paige, the van, and the men just a figment of everybody's imagination? And could this all be confirmation bias, set up by the guy who went on TV to talk about how he pulled over and saw the van pull in behind him next to Paige's vehicle. What choice do you like? As for the theme of this episode, and how unique Paige's disappearance is, first, there were many disappearances and murders of women in the Detroit area back at that time. 
I went through all of them personally. The only one that was close to being like Paige's was the disappearance of Don McGowan. Is that name familiar? It might be. She went missing from Michigan in 1994, but was found alive in Kentucky a week later, seemingly not knowing who she was after suffering some kind of amnesiatic episode. And yes, during the time she was missing, police did put it out there that Dawn could have been pulled over by someone posing as an officer. Of course, that's not what happened. I bring this up because a popular theory to this day is that Paige was pulled over by someone posing as a police officer. But also on the topic of uniqueness, if Paige's car had a flat tire or had been wrecked or had been found on a road not on the route home or had been found on a logging road, think how many disappearances Paige's would be like. Milda McQuillan, Mara Murray, David Hardy Jr., Greg Brooks, Jeremy Burt, Rebecca Henderson. The unfound list goes on and on and on. But given that Paige's vehicle was in working order, idling, and on the way home, not to mention that her fiancé seems to have a pretty good alibi, that is all it takes for a disappearance to be put in the leg of their own category. Yep, Certainly one of a kind. If you'd like to listen to and or read my deeper analysis into the disappearance of Paige Renkowski, please go to patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast and sign up to partake in the unfound blog. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.